Good evening, everyone. Good evening and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cool Podcast. It's a special one today. You would have seen it in the title. Steve's back. <laughs> I am Hi, back. Hi, mate. Hey, again. Where have you been? Everyone's saying, where's Steve? Is he really on maternity leave or is something else going on? I said, no, he's really on maternity leave. Yeah, I'm really on maternity leave. That is my reality. Had a had another baby girl and yeah, it's cool, but it's full on. <laughs> I don't even know how you're getting the time to do this. Um, for, for, every, for the listeners, actually, I'll just, I'll just fill them in with the scene here. Um, was it last night? I can't remember. Last night I was watching the Formula One, I think. Yeah, I was watching the Formula One and you sent me a message saying you do want to do the podcast on Tuesday at nine o'clock. Yeah. And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, that's fine. You know, that's fine. When I saw it, I thought it was fine. And I thought, Tuesday at nine o'clock, what day is that? <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah. that's tomorrow night. I'm so confused. I don't know where in the hell yeah. I am. Um, and I thought, oh, okay, that's Monday night. So we're doing this on Monday night. It's 10.30 in London. It's, uh, what is it? 8.30? 8.30. in the morning. Morning. Steve's got a break in between feeding and cleaning and... I thought I was going to ditch one of the kids, but I didn't. My wife kindly said in order to try to make it a bit earlier so it's not so late for you that she would attempt to look after our first daughter. Um, It could be a mistake and a half. It could be complete bedlam, (laughs) but... Well, everyone, everyone, Steve, and I, I probably told you some of this. I mean, despite what everyone thinks, Steve and I haven't really spoken that much since um, Emily was no, born. Not really, much. we've been on and off on messages, but not as much as we usually do because Steve's been really busy, and I've been busy getting out of Bahrain and getting back to mm. London, as everyone knows. I don't know if this sound is okay today. I can't hear myself. I'm sure it's okay. Um, Sounds good on this end. Yeah. So we've been um, we've both been really busy. So we haven't really spoken much. We haven't really spoken about the podcast. I doubt Steve's even had time to listen to um, previous owners' stories, um, but I think you've listened to few. you've listened to a couple of episodes, right? So I, you know, I think we need a critique. I think you need we need your um, critique on um, Ajmal and his and his uh, score. Ajmal, his score out of ten, you motherfucker! It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> How's that? <laughs> People was, were saying to me thing, that Steve has to be careful. You know, Ajmal's. You know, he's he's getting good. He's getting good. Yeah, it's good. Ajmal, you can my my seat is really moist and a bit smelly, but um, you can have it if you want it. Yeah, I saw that response, that that comment. Where did he leave that comment? <laughs> he left that comment on Instagram. Know. You saw it, right? When uh, I said I don't, you that, well, I don't even know if it was a okay, private message or a no, it was one was to it the a world. Private or? message? I can't remember. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, but anyway, uh, like I said, this has been really. This has been like. This has been a surprise one, this one. Um, I haven't even told Ajmal yet. I will tell Ajmal. Um, Ajmal won't just disappear. We might, like I said, we are going to do a three-way, Steve. You're keen on that too, right? Mm-hmm. If we can work out the timing. It's just the timing which is a bit difficult at the moment. But we'll definitely mm-hmm. do that. We can hopefully figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out and we'll talk. Uh, we'll get the three of us in one Zoom room, so to speak, and we'll chat. So, Steve, you know how I always like to start these podcasts? Uh mm-hmm. What else was I going to say? Oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, so there's been lots of good wishes for you, and I passed on some of them. And a lot of people are saying, you know, you've joined the the, the Two Daughters Club, and that was um, Ajmal. <laughs> that was um, Greg, I think, at First Flight 6. Uh-huh. And it was uh, James, James at Porsche Platz as well. Oh, so they all know what you're thanks. going through. They're all in the, thanks, everybody. They're all in the same club. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a bit late to fatherhood for my age and everything, so bloody, I don't know, I have no idea what I'm doing. Don't give really it away, no mate. Don't I'm give doing, it away. Cool. Don't give it away. People think you're 30. Don't give it away. 
Um, all right. So what's been happening? I'll let you know what's been happening, Steve, because I know you haven't um, you haven't mm, been uh, listening to the owner stories. Um, like I said, this is this is um, my name's Michael Barth. Um, I make podcasts. I'm not the only one that makes. I know pod- who you are. I'm not the only one that makes podcasts, Steve. You know that, right? There's a lot of people entering mm-hmm. the podcast space, which is exciting. You know, it's exciting. That's what I think about it. Um, mm-hmm. So. Steve is here. If you haven't been listening to any of the podcasts and you've only listened to the last three podcasts, you're going, where's Ajmal? Ajmal was filling in for Steve. Uh, Ajmal's a mate. He's in the UK, but Steve is the co-host of this podcast. And everyone... <laughs> I'm a guest. <laughs> you Steve know that. is the co-host. Steve is, Steve is my is Zuckerman. I'm not Spike, though. I'm not as good as Spike. I wish I was Zuckerman. Yeah, I wish I was. I wish I had the cars. I wish I had that Porsche collection. Every time they post mm. a picture, it always looks so fantastic. Even Zuckerman's images, they look so fantastic. I want to talk about turbos, actually, with you, Steve. Yeah, I good, think there's actually. a very interesting trend of turbos happening in, in the Porsche world. Um, I don't know whether you mm-hmm. saw that post today. Um, but it's very, very, or yep. last night, it's very interesting. All right, so let's just start with the usual. Let's just start with um, keeping the podcast, keeping us talking, keeping us uh, talking about Porsche, chatting about Porsche, um, doing these podcasts live, so to speak. Um, well, Steve and I are live, but it's not live to you guys, but live, so to speak, um, is Patreon. Um, there's no new members for Patreon this week. It's very upsetting. No one's joined mm-hmm. Patreon. Um, Patreon is the place to keep us talking. That's the place to do it. You just search Porsche Cooled at Patreon or it's Patreon slash Porsche Cooled. Um, so go over there if you want to become a member and just help us, uh, help us, um, just help us basically. <laughs> That's all it is, Steve. <laughs> help me. Just help me. That's actually what my eldest daughter says now. She just comes along and goes, help me. Really? That's <laughs> like, a great, help, that's a great help. thing. Do you just yeah. laugh? Yeah. yeah. It's like. What do we do? Do you go no? Do you go no? No, Eva? Yeah, I can do. I can do. And then she just cries, and then it's just my fault. Um, Sorry, you know, Let. Uh, where was I? Uh, owner story, Steve. I know you haven't listened to this week's one because I didn't send it to you. <laughs> it's not out till tomorrow because it's Monday mm-hmm. here and it comes out Tuesday. It's up on Patreon. Uh, that's one of the benefits of joining Patreon. You get to... Um, you get to listen to the podcast 24 hours early, uh, and um, this week we had I had John, uh, and John, and you know, I'm not going to say it in Norwegian, I'm just going to say it in English, he said I can say it in the English way, so it's John. Um, mm-hmm. John's a really good guy. John has got a car that you're going to love, Steve. Um, I don't know whether you is talk, checked out Is this the yellow it. dude? Yes, it is. John's got the 996. You mentioned point, ages ago. 996.2, speed yellow, GT3, cool. club sport. And he just put the BP, BBS wheels on it as well. He just went out and at Christmas time and just splurged on a brand new set of the BBS CH, whatever they're called. I can't think of the number now. You know the oh, classic CHs? ones. Oh, CHs? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. He's got those on, on his um, 996. Um, it looks cool. fantastic. You know, John asked me today um, through Facebook Messenger, which I'm not always quick to answer on because I never know it's there half the time, but he sent me a message just mm. recently actually and, and said, how was it? And I said, well, it sounds really good. You know, there's always the test when I'm editing a podcast, and this happens with ours as well, Steve, is that if yeah. I'm laughing while I'm edit- editing it, I'm laughing and I'm, I'm getting amused. Natasha is sitting across the room and, and watching me saying, well, are you okay? And I say, yeah. What the hell are you just, doing? Yeah. It's funny. So I, it's a really good episode. It's live tomorrow. It will be live once you guys hear this. It was live on uh, Tuesday. Um, but it's a really good one. He's owned some good cars, Steve. He owned a Nissan 200... Oh, John, I'm probably going to get this wrong. 200 SX, I think it is. He's SX, owned a GTR, yep. GTR, yep. Uh, the early ones. He never had a go in one of those. I've Evo, always wanted to try it. 
Yeah. R32, I think he had. R32. Yep. Uh, the original one. Evo 6, Tommy Makinen, is it? Makinen edition. Makinen edition, yeah, edition? which is like yeah. really rare. He had one of those. Wow. Yep. But he sold it. So, you know, he's building up, he's building up, but he wanted something, you know, more analog. And the perfect choice was the 996.2 GT3, and he loves it. Um, so John's and, a driving oh, god I, then? Oh, I forgot about one, the M2. He had an M2, which he took to the track, oh, which cool. he actually like specced out with all the seats and, you know, everything and got it all perfect. And he took it to Norschleifer yep. and he drove it around the track. He went there about seven times in that car. Oh, he's a driving god. Um, yep. like, yeah. I was looking at him, I don't know why, I just looked at um, the price of used M2s in Australia the other day. It was like about 70k will pick you up a good manual used M2. I saw a high mileage one. It was 60 something, 66 or something, but it sold really, really quickly. Mm, that's, yeah, that's, a, that's expensive for the mileage, against the mileage. But, um, you know, a, a M2, I don't, you know, I was re- listening and I mentioned this when you were away. There was a podcast with um, Lieberman and Matt Farah. And they were talking yep, about yep. the M2 competition and the M2 competition CS, CS. and how everyone's raving about the CS. And but how much more expensive yep. it is, Steve? Like how much it's more a lot it is? More. Yep. Yeah, like a lot, like thirty thousand US or something. I think it is more yep. than the standard. And I yep. think Levin was saying the competition is just as good. You know what I mean? The competition yep. is good. Yep. But he said even the just the M2, the standard M2 is good. You know what I mean? Especially in manual. Well, just because BMW have lost their way. Like that, that M3, M4 thing I still think is heinous. Like I know all the reviews say that it's quite, it's actually not as bad as um, they were expecting kind of thing and it doesn't have a dual clutch gearbox, blah, blah, blah. But it just still looks awful. I can't get over the way that it looks. I think the front is ugly. Yeah. But obviously they got feedback from some kind of... Um, what do you do it when you get feet when you ask people a group of you people do groups. in a room? Yeah, you do groups. Yeah, but they obviously got feedback from people saying it was okay, but I don't get it. I don't like it, and it's got a lot bigger as well. And I think this is the isn't this the isn't this the thing about the M2 that basically it's the same size as an E36 M3 an M2. Uh, yeah, it probably would be that, or maybe even a little bit um, bigger. I suspect. I never um, thought much of them. Until you know, Which one? you know, Don in Sydney, the M2. Don's got one. Oh, the M2. Right? Yep. My friend Don yep. in Sydney yep. has got one, a black one. And I have to admit, in black, it's pretty tough looking. Like you see it in the black and the stance great. of it. You know, when I met him at the cafe in Sydney and I stood next to it, I thought this is pretty good. And then I went for a, I, I got a lift in it somewhere. One day I was in it yep. with him, and it yep. feels, you know, it's very spirited. It's very um, zippy. Yeah, they're nice cars. My uncle had one. He sold it. Um, black one as well. Um, I preferred my 1M to the first gen M2, but I wouldn't be complaining if I had an M2. <clears throat> yeah, but when you think about the price of 1Ms, you know, what are they saying now? It's like, you should never have sold that car, Steve. You know that, don't you? Um, I wouldn't be married if I did. <laughs> the 1M, though, the 1M, though, you know, people haven't lost money on it. In the States, it's going up in price, right? No, no, I, you make money. You definitely make money on it. But I was watching, I'm starting to watch Hoovy's Garage. I don't know what, uh, mm-hmm. I said, was talking about it last week, you know, how he got that Beck. Uh, yeah, Beck, heard that. The Beck one, the replica, which I think is pretty cool. I don't know what you think about those. I'm not, I actually hadn't heard of it. I'm not familiar. You should watch that video, though, the one where he drives his Beck when he picks it up, the spider, when it's actually been done. Yeah. Um, yep. It's pretty good. But he was he did some episode with um, Shimmy 150, and he's around the back of his garage. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, I haven't announced that yet. And you know what he had? 
A 1M. He's bought a 1M as well in black. So, you know, these people that kind of know that, you know what I mean? That buy cars that know they're going to appreciate, he's bought a 1M like now. So I'm guessing it's a high mileage one. Maybe he got it cheaper. Um, But he hasn't had any videos on his his channel about it. But um, I think the 1M is is a good... You know, you had it with your GT3, and I still think it's a great car to have with a with a Porsche, even the M2. You know, if you can pick up an M2, oh, yeah. 2017 M2 manual, it's pretty good, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think it's just because maybe the reason why everyone's doing this too is because new cars are obviously getting so complete and cosseting and all of that sort of stuff. They're all converging, so they probably feel the same because they're all turbocharged as well. Um so, like, an M2 would still have tons of character. Um, and, I don't know, just even, like, who was it? I think it was Chris Harris on um, Collecting Cars podcast. Right. Um, well, he's got one, he? I think he was talking about old E36s, even. And uh, I was saying this to my uncle in a text conversation, um, that apparently they're starting to kind of appreciate. And they were very 964-ish. They were sort of like the... The M3 that was no good yeah, and, you know, like yeah. really wasn't kind of rated at all. And then now all of a sudden people are starting to talk about E36 M3s. So. Yeah, there was a, they got those unusual wheels, haven't they? The E36 M3. They got an unusual yeah. wheel. It's almost like a cookie cutter, isn't it? It's kind of weird. Square. Yeah. There were two shapes. There were two shapes. Um, there was a 10-spoke and a 5-spoke. Um, there's sort of split-spoke type things. Um, but, you know, like I've got a mate that bought one ages ago when I was in a nine nine th- in my 993. Um, they're nice cars. They're fast and they sound good. But did, you, did you see that pale lemon one that was for sale not long ago on car sales? There was a pale lemon no. one for sale. I think they wanted yeah, 66000 yeah. for it. And it was reasonably, which is high, which was reasonably yeah. low kilometers and they wanted 66 yep. grand. It was in pale lemon. But it, yeah, I tell yeah. you what, it was really cool. It was something yeah, about yeah, that yeah, color like, which really, really good. Because I, I remember a time when they were about 30, low 30s. I bet yeah. you you can't get one for low 30s anymore. No. That would have been no. five, six years ago maybe. There was a white one at Classic Throttle Shop and then there was mm-hmm. that lemon one and they were about the same time and I think they were around about close to the same price, I think. Close to the same yeah, price. Right. Um, but yeah. I think the lemon one had less, uh, less kilometers than the one at Classic Throttle Shop. But anyway, John's had a really good, you know, he's had really good driver's cars. Uh, like I said, the yeah, GTR, cool. the Evo 6, the M2. Um, this, uh, and John contacted me because it was all that all that long time ago when I said we were number two in the charts in Norway, which we were number two again the other day, actually. I noticed we're number two or number three in Norway again. Um, Go, John. And he reached me. He reached out to me and said, you know, if you want someone from Norway. Um, and it was yep. great. It was really good to talk to. Really nice guys. So make sure you listen to that story if you haven't listened to it already. Uh, and give John a follow on his Instagram. Um, the, the, his Instagram will be in the link of the podcast. Um, did you watch the F1, mate? Uh, I watched the highlight reel. Yeah, I watched I it never, as well. Actually, these days I never really watch the full race. Um, I'll wake up, read, maybe read who won because um, in Sydney you're pretty. it's always pretty much kind of like um, early morning and then I'd sort of hear the result and then just have a quick look at the highlights. Looked pretty cool. Yeah, I didn't. I tried not to see the result. I never look at Instagram mm-hmm. before it's on. And I watched it last night mm-hmm. here on Channel 4 and, and the highlights as well. It wasn't live. It was on at okay. 8.30 last night. Um, yeah. And I watched it. I watched the qualifying the day before. I think it was a good race. Yeah. I think it was a surprise ending. Um, I'm not sure yeah. if Red Bull will be happy with what happened, how the result was, but 
I think it's going to be a good season. Obviously, the cars are closer. Obviously, Red Bull is closer to Mercedes, so it is going to be interesting to see how it all works so out what, in the end. I only read a headline. What happened with um, Max? He was complaining that somebody didn't let him go. Was that the team that sort of held him back or something? Or? No, there's a corner where they're not supposed to go off the track. During qualifying, yeah, I saw that bit. During qualifying yeah. they couldn't go off the track because if they went off the track, they get penalised. Apparently when... Yep. And they were saying this in qualifying. During the race, if they went all four wheels off the track, apparently yep. during the race, it wouldn't be a penalty. So yep. Lewis kept doing it. And then I think someone complained during the race. And then they said, you know, they told Lewis by the radio not to do it. And Lewis said, but they said it was okay to do it during the race. So they, the rule yep. was really hazy. Oh, okay. And then yep. when Max passed Lewis, he went off four wheels off, yeah, off saw that in that spot. Yep. So then Red Bull, Christian Horner got on the radio and you only heard this after the race. On the highlights I watched, you didn't hear the radio um, broadcast until yep. after the race and Christian Horner said yep. to give the, give the place back. Give the place back, yeah. Yeah, so that's how he lost. Um, I guess they thought they had to weigh up their, the amount of points they could possibly lose or the penalty, the time penalty that they would lose. Yeah, yeah. So maybe they just sort of said best just to come second instead of maybe coming third. Just proves that there's a ton of politics in it. I mean, there always has been like that kind of debacle about Ferrari obviously effectively kind of cheated for, you know, however long um, yeah. with some sort of engine thing, fuel flow. Yeah. And they they make a secret ruling, but they won't tell anyone else, you know, exactly what's kind of going on. So the politics yeah. um, in F1 is huge. I think the Aston Martins, the new racing point Aston, now they're Aston Martin racing or whatever. I yeah. think their car looks pretty yeah. cool. The green of the car looks, yeah, looks cool. cool. I don't know what happened to Vettel. Yeah. I mean, obviously Vettel didn't perform very well because um, Stroll went, did a lot mm. better than him. Um, yeah. Alonso did. Stroll. It's, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I like watching it. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I actually could have, I don't know whether you know, heard this, Steve, I actually could have gone to the F1. Anyone that was mm-hmm. vaccinated, and because I've already been vaccinated now, um, I yeah. could have actually gone to the F1 and watched it. They were only allowing people who had had both their vaccinations uh, into the mm-hmm. into the circuit, but I left. I've been a few times to Melbourne because I worked in it, remember? Yeah, um, I know. You, you went to it, yeah. I have never been to um, Melbourne either. We had tickets from the guy that ran the, I remember years ago, the guy that ran the F1 in oh, Melbourne. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. Ron yep. Walker. He was Tasha's client and he gave us the tickets and we didn't go. We gave them to Don and Don said they were really, they were in like the proper stand, the Ferrari stand and or whatever it was, yep. and they were really, really good seats. So I thought, damn, well, see, like, it's the same thing for me. I've been, I think I went to, basically we were shooting every time the event was on. Um, I think I went to two or three events, but the thing is, I, like, and had access to, like, all the VIP areas and stuff, not the pits, but all the kind of corporate boxes, but when the race was on, we were literally filming, so I never really got to watch the race. Right, right. Um but so did you hear the cool. news that Porsche is thinking about joining the F1 if they can use their own fuel? Yeah, I'd sort of heard some <laughs> of that if, stuff. If the other teams are going to agree to that. <laughs> can we use our own uh, fuel? They might. It, no, it's just going to, because it's going to be branded, um, obviously, them, but it's not really, you know. I think it was Mobile. Them, I think them it was developing. them and Mobile, wasn't it? Mobile, who were doing that fuel. Siemens. Siemens, was it? Oh, okay, okay. Mm. Um, I just want to do one shout out, Steve. We've had a, uh, I always like to give the shout out for people who give us a review on the podcast because people have taken mm-hmm. the time to like, you know, push that star button and to write something. Uh, lately, we've been getting mm-hmm. a lot. Um, we had one this week um, from Flintlock007, Great Britain. 
Um, I think his name is Neil because it's got Neil in the title because Apple reviews are really confusing when you go to write them. Uh, always a great listen, highly recommended. Thanks for all the effort you put into the Porsche community. So thanks for that, um, Flintlock007 uh, from Great Britain. Thank you for the review. Thanks for taking the time to do that. Apple Reviews, um, if you can go to Apple Reviews when, you watch, uh, when you're listening to the podcast, um, firstly, um, please subscribe to the podcast or follow as Apple calls it now. And at the same time, you just give us a little star rating. If you've got a little bit more time up your sleeve, then write a review. That would be fantastic. It just gets us seen in the um, search results. Like I said, the Porsche podcast uh, arena, so to speak, is getting very congested. Um, and it always, um, every review helps. So thank you for that. Hey, Steve, I was just looking. Um, I've got my eye on a 912. I haven't sent it to you. I've sent it to like so many other people. I think I sent it to Nick. In the UK, um, Nick owns a 912, yeah. and I think I sent it to Ajmal. I've sent yeah. it to a few people. Um, it's at European Collectibles. They've got three 912s at the moment. Mm-hmm. They've got two white ones and the sand beige one, which they've had for a while, which I had the video for, which I sent to you, the one you said that sounded like yeah. a Volkswagen, that one. Because it, it is, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So they have the white one is 59,000. The one white, one white one's 59, one's 68, and then the other one's still there, the Sam Beige one for 66. Uh-huh. But I quite like the white one for 59 if it was like 55. Um, I was told so that I should So what's that landed just, in Australia? It's, all, it's pretty good. It's the price where I want it to be. It's about 90. Okay, yep. 90, and then I add another 10 grand on for Order House to do their magic, so I'd say 100. So that's, uh-huh. that was where I was sitting, that it'd be number 100. Which, I'm yep. getting to the point here. Because I know people who are listening going, I heard that story last week, Michael, I don't want to hear it again. Well, there's a reason why mm-hmm. I bring it up. Two, one, because Steve wasn't here last week. And two, because rent, rent, rent Vehicle Design in the UK, who is, uh, I think they're near where Ajmal lives. I think Ajmal said they're quite close to his, um, where he lives, his village. Ajmal lives near everyone. Yeah, he lives in a very affluent area, you know, in the UK. Oh, Ajmal's <laughs> rich. Then why doesn't he, he wash rich. his fucking car? He is rich. <laughs> now, why doesn't he get a servant to wash his car? What's wrong with him? Look, you know that. You know, like I said the other day. You know, I'm really happy for his two year anniversary on that 996. But man, it makes me so sad to see the condition of that car. <laughs> like, I know it's the cheapest 996 in the UK, but like, it doesn't have to look like the cheapest 996 in the UK. Good point. <laughs> Actually, John, John in Norway works for um, Maguire's. John, you know, maybe send him some, <laughs> maybe send him some tips. Recommend, recommend to Ajmal some products that he should use to get that paintwork, <laughs> get all the, the yeah, bird crap off like his car. Yeah, <laughs> and get it back to condition. Uh, anyway, um, I'm getting off track. The 912 prices. So that, that's the 912 at European Collectibles. And I know European Collectibles are a bit more expensive, and I know 59,000 US sounds a lot for a 912, but it's quite sorted, Steve. Um, mm-hmm. Rint in the UK, that they do have one car at Rint, which I've been looking at for a while, which has just been sitting there for a while, which is £54,000, which is still more, right? Mm-hmm. It's got a wooden wheel and it's got the checkered seats. It's black and it's been resprayed and, and done, right? It's in black. Mm-hmm. Natasha mm-hmm. likes the black. They keep hinting on their Instagram about this right-hand drive one that they have. Original right-hand drive 68. They've just put it on their website. Original? I thought yeah. they didn't make them in right-hand drive. No, they do. I didn't know that either. Oh, okay. Nick from the Classic Series told me that, that he knows people in the UK that have a right-hand model when I was talking to him. I didn't realize either. Anyway, this is a 68, original right-hand yep. drive, UK delivered. They've restored yep. it, 125,000 pounds. Whoa. I know. 
So all of a sudden, that 59,000 <laughs> white wine looks really, really cheap. Yeah. That's pounds as well. Know. That's pounds. I know you don't know. You know what you would like? I don't have enough of appreciation for them because I still just kind of go, for whatever sort of money it is, um, it just seems like a lot. And I think I've texted you this, like um, my cousin's husband, who now listens to the podcast, he discovered us. Um, What's his name? He, Marco. Marco. He's probably listening. Hi, Marco. Um, so he... He's probably, I think, kind of about to get a toe into the water. He's a mad VW, classic VW kind of fan nut. So he knows he he works on his cars. He knows his way around and all of that sort of stuff. So he's owned numerous combis and Beetles and all of that. I hope sort he of listened thing. to um, PJ's story because PJ uh, was um, big into Volkswagens too. He's um, still owns them actually with his um, three five six. Get Marco on at some point if um so look he's I think he's kind of thinking about consolidating and then maybe kind of getting his ass into a nine eleven um if my lovely cousin will let him um he's married to my cousin anyway so and Marco's is that um, your uncle's, uncle's, uncle's son-in-law. daughter yes yes so <laughs> car car craziness is in the blood um so look he's um. He's been asking lots of questions because he was um, pondering 9-11 ownership. Um, and 9-12, I think, was on his radar too. So I think he was kind of familiar with the ones that you've been looking at in Australia. Okay. But okay. just sounds dear. Sounds really dear to me. Like for, you know, like even if you call it 100, I don't know, well, what else can you kind of get for 100? I think it's about 90, but then I add another 10 because, you know, I don't know what the other costs that you'll need. In saying that, yep. though, Steve, there is European yep. collectibles, and I'm sure your cousin, yep. your cousin-in-law, has seen this as well. Um, yep. They have a sil- the one that I really like on European collectibles, but it's out of my price range. They have a silver 911T, and on their YouTube channel, on European collectibles uh, YouTube channel, he drives it, and man, it's spirited. Mm-hmm. The way he drives that car, it's it sounds good. It it's pretty fast. Mm-hmm. It seems pretty fast, even though it's just the T. Um, yep. And that's 114000 US dollars. Now, yep. I worked out the price of that, landed in Australia, uh, just so you guys know who are listening as well. It's, two, it's around 200000 Aussie dollars. Which is mental. For a 911T. But 911Ts in Australia sell for about 250000 Australian dollars. Mm. Yep. So even if you brought that one in, you're still below the price of what you would get one that's already sitting in Australia. And some of them being left-hand drivers, well, not being right-hand drivers. So yeah. maybe it's not that bad, you know. Um, yeah. And you notice the the trend, you know. I, I want to get onto the um, what do I want to get onto? This trend with the prices that it, you know you yeah. say about nine twelves, but it's not just nine twelves. It's across the board every, with everything, isn't it? Yeah, it's everything. Did you? Yeah, and I don't know whether I sent this to you, Steve. I forget. And I mentioned, I think maybe last week with Ajmal. Um, there's only two base Carreras for sale on car sales in Australia, right? Two uh, base manual which, Carreras. And one is 125000 and the other is 120000 Same as mine. Yeah. Yep. Not an S, just a standard. One is 125000 yep. Australian dollars, and the other one's 120000 Australian dollars. 87,000 yeah, kilometers or 175,000 kilometers one has. Yeah. Now, what's um, going on? Again, because my cousin-in-law has been sort of asking questions about you know, I think he's sort of shopping on a fairly tight budget 
well, see, it wouldn't be a tight budget if the world was normal, but all of a sudden, like, what can you kind of get for, you know, not nothing, a huge amount of money? It's impossible now, which is, exactly. I don't know, it's a little sad. It is, it is before, if you want... like, you kind of lament the fact that, you know, just good sort of true enthusiasts, like, you kind of have to have a big wad of cash to kind of get into it these days, so... Yeah, which is sad, actually, because the people that really want, you know, people who really want to get into the brand, you know, what are you getting into? And then you're stuck now because 996s are on the rise. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, talking about regret, I still really regret. I mean, I regret not buying the 996 GT3 that time. I do. But I kind of really regret. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) There was like three or four to pick from and they were $90,000, you know, which is ridiculous. But I, I guess yeah. I just didn't have the, the cash to free up to do it at the time. Yeah, sure, But sure. I kind of regret the GT3, but then I think I, I really regret the turbos as well, like not picking up the turbo. I'm mm-hmm. wondering, what do you think? Um, because it seems mm-hmm. like everyone is buying turbos. It seems like the turbo all of a sudden has become really popular. Now, I don't know whether this is based upon the 993, Steve, because the 993 turbo prices are, are crazy, right? Um, they all are, though, aren't they? But you saw that Ted Gushu... Type 7, he put a picture on his Instagram yesterday, and I'm sure a lot of people have seen it, Um, and he bought it from a dealer, I think, in Switzerland or Italy or wherever he is at the moment. He's always somewhere, somewhere traveling Mm -hmm. around. He bought a 996 Mm -hmm. Turbo, seal gray, 996 Turbo, X50 package. You know, it looks like immaculate condition, really good, but he's bought the 996 Turbo. You know, God help 996 Turbo prices now because, you know, him being such a Porsche guy, I'm sure that everyone's sort of taking notice and, you know, Mm, it's I think quite it's, a few people, like um, even um, Larry Chen's got one, the sort of yep. um, that highly regarded um, American car photographer. Yep. And he commented and he on Ted Gishu's cool. post. They've got the same color, both in seal gray. Yeah, right. I yep. don't know. The turbo, 996 turbo. So I looked on car sales very quickly after I saw that <laughs> just to yep. see what was there. The one that your yep. mate was looking for, the one that one he was yep. going to buy yep. in Melbourne, I think that's gone. Yep. I'm pretty sure it's gone. But there was one for sale where it only had, it had 80,000. And I didn't see this the day before because I was looking the day before as well. I looked again yesterday. Yep. It was 80 something thousand kilometers and they wanted $99,000 for it. It's gone already. Manual, turbo. That's cheap. That's for cheap. For manual, that's exactly. cheap. Yeah, yeah that because is the others, cheap. Yeah, the others are 130, 160. I don't know. I mean, you know, turbos seem to be quite popular. Um, is it going to be as sought also, after as a 993, though, Steve? Do you think it's going to be sought after as an air-cooled turbo? Because it's a Metzger, always, Metzger engine. That's why I'm thinking. So traditionally, like in my world, like old old man world, like turbos were always very desirable. It's just that if you ever bought a brand new 911 turbo, whether it was a well, maybe less so 993, but a 964, 997, that was the car that would depreciate the most. Like it was the most expensive, but it would, um, you'd kind of, you know, lose your money pretty quickly on it. But they were always really desirable because like the 964 was the kind of bad boys car. Yeah. 993 for whatever reason was always like considered one of the best looking, I guess, because of the wide body yeah. um, and the wheels and all of that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, I don't know, like even when you even TGE kind of bangs on about it all the time that, um, you know, he's got the, the latest um, 992 version and he sort of 
he said that like they seem to hold their value. At they the hold their value, yeah. You can own it. And he's very clever like that. I mean, he obviously bought yeah, it. He's... He'll sell it and he doesn't lose any money from it. And his brother yeah, had yeah, one yeah. too, remember? He bought it and pretty much sold at the same price he bought it for. Yeah, they're yeah. very sought after, especially the Turbo S. Um, like I said, that one in Bahrain that was in the building in, that I lived in, in Bahrain, um, that wasn't yeah. an S, that was just a Turbo. But every time, you know, I saw it just before I left there. And I keep looking at it thinking there is something about that turbo, that shape, those, those rear, oh, rear cool. arches. They're it's very cool. cool. It's very cool. And the center lock wheels, which are not your favorite, I guess, but they're center lock wheels. Mm. Um, but, you yes. know, Ted Gushu's bought a good one, though, because he hasn't just bought the turbo. He's bought the one with the X50 package. And we X50, all know how yeah. rare the X50 package is. Um, yeah. I know in the UK, I read an article ages ago, and it said that not many people ordered it in the UK because basically it was expensive. It was apparently a really expensive option, um, even yep. though you got, you know, I think you got another 30 horsepower or something, brake horsepower, didn't you? Yeah. I think it was 420 yeah. to 450. So a lot of people didn't right. think it was worth it. But now, you know, they're getting very sought after and they're the higher priced ones because of the fact that it's got that, you know, EC tune, had a slightly different gearbox and had more power. So he's got the X50 as well. And he bought it from a Porsche dealer. It's actually in a Porsche dealer. I suppose the thing about like pretty much any turbo car, but particularly on 911 turbos is that you can just tune them and you'll kind of get a fair bit more power out of it it's sort of like any old kind of japanese sort of rally inspired type thing as well like they're they're built strong so you can kind of dial it up quite a bit and um the car will still be reliable it's just whether or not people literally kind of want to mod them or not is a different thing but yeah did you see also magnus walker bought a 991 your mate magnus walker he bought a 991.1 turbo s no, I've, he bought I've a high mileage. Week, he bought a high mileage nine nine one point one Turbo S a couple of weeks ago from. Oh, I can't think of the guy's name. He's on Instagram, American, he's a dealer, and he's got he has quite a good Instagram. I can't remember his name. He bought it off him, him. anyway. Um, high mileage, though. I think it's got a, over a hundred thousand miles or something. Um, Turbo yeah, S right. in silver. I think it's got a red interior. Be interesting yeah. to see what he thinks of that. Having owned, having owned, you know all the air-cooled turbos and still ha- still owning three of them. Um, he, different, you know, I suppose it just has a different purpose, doesn't it? Like I still, I'm just trying to think about it. I don't think I've ever driven a 911 turbo. The closest thing I've driven is my uncle's 991.2, which has a turbo in it, but it's obviously just a standard, you know, S. But you were quite impressed with just, that, right? You were more impressed than what yeah. you thought you would be with that car. Oh, yeah, of course. Like, you know, any same thing. Any 911 is cool. Um, it sounded better than I thought that it would. That That's the thing. Like, you you know that in sort of like, um, you know, if you were going to drive from here to Melbourne kind of thing or do a long trip or kind of do a daily commute, like, obviously, a turbo is better because it's got more torque and it's a bit more luxurious, all that sort of stuff. Like, I was listening to what you and Ajma were talking about in your last episode about... Um, one car, one Porsche, do it all. So I want to ask you but, about that, actually, what, what your yeah. answer would be. That was, that yeah, was coming I'll, up. I'll answer it in a sec. But um, so, like, it obviously does have a different character and a different purpose. Um, I still would, I would still opt for naturally aspirated over turbo if I kind of could. It's not to say that turbos aren't fun, but if you had the choice, um, I wouldn't kind of go down that path. But it's obviously kind of just quick as all hell. But you wouldn't turn. You wouldn't say to someone now, um, if you're looking for a nine nine one, get the point one generation. Would you say that the point two is okay, or would you still say stick, go with a point one, go with a naturally aspirated? 
Uh, I don't know enough about it personally. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like I was, I was more impressed with my uncles than I thought that I would be because I thought that it would be just a little bit too kind of sterile in its character, but it wasn't. It was, you know, it was surprisingly sounded kind of cool and all of that. You can tell that it's got like a ton more grunt um, at low revs, but depending on how you like to drive, like for me, for example, I kind of go, yeah, that's, it's cool, but um, what's nice about a naturally aspirated motor is that just for the fact that you have to rev the guts out of it or you just drive in a lower gear, um, yeah, not yeah. great for fuel economy, but that's sort of what makes it a little bit more fun. Yeah. So like being being able to drive kind of lazy style um, in a turbo is not necessarily my idea of fun, but, you know. It so has, has um, back to your um, cousin's yep. husband, Marco, um, has okay. he found anything that he likes? Has he narrowed it down to what generation no, he's, he's looking? He's, so the interesting thing about it is that um, I don't know what his budget is, but I know he's, you know, he hasn't got like 200 grand to spend. Um, he's been doing the right thing, which is looking at everything online. He's been chatting like my uncle's owned many. He sort of asked me a couple of things. And then he's just gone on the journey. Like, you know, the obvious starting point is 996, um, which is obviously not a bad car, blah, blah, blah. But I think, I think he feels possibly that it might not be for him. Um, right, right. And it might be just the interior, I think. I don't, okay. don't know for a fact. Okay. Um, I keep sort of saying, because I used to have a 993, that I actually think that with the water-cooled cars, whether it's a 996 or a 997, um, it's probably still, you, everybody's going to crave the driving experience. And I reckon you can dial it back into, you know, a 996 or 997 yeah. by a couple of simple tweaks, as you know. So that was my kind of tip for him, which is if you can get over the looks, I'm pretty sure that you can make it more characterful and a little bit more sort of fun if you're happy to kind of play with it, not keep it, you know. Standard I mean, that, that 996 Turbo for under 100 grand, that was a really good one, though. That would have been mm. a good one for him. That I mean, that's one you would just scoop up, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't even know if he's got that sort of money. So, like, he's he, he started there, and I know he were, uh, went and looked at a 993, but he wound up having to look at a cab because um, there's not many on the... There's not many cars on the market, but... And I think he... The interesting conundrum for him is his one for you as well. Is yeah, but this, um, if I think you don't, the cab is okay though. The cab's okay. Well, I had, had not my favorite, but anyway, like. But you know if, that black one to, to sale has been written off. There's a one on car sales. It's actually a. It's been a repairable write-off. He doesn't put it in the description. It's in. It's in the notes from car sales and not in the description. It's actually a repairable write-off. Um, I'm not across them. It's a I black don't know one. What... If he's looking at that, there's a manual black one which looks quite appealing, but it's actually. Um, mm -hmm. It's actually had a full side impact and been repaired. I don't think the one that he drove was actually kind of quite pricey. Um, but I was going to say the interesting conundrum um, when you go back to, you know, like you got to start with a budget at some point in time. And if you have to make a compromise, if the compromise is choosing between a cab versus a tip, which, which compromise do you make? Take the cab. Yeah, same. I take the cab. I don't have a problem with the cover light. As long as it's manual, I don't have a problem with it. And I think the 993 looks actually looks okay. I mean, the roof's a bit mm. clunky, you know, but if you get that thing like Nick Murray did with the cover that goes over the top to make oh, it cleaner, time. yeah, that, that cover, I don't think that comes standard, does yeah. it? I mean, he bought one. He said yeah, he bought one. Do. No, it should do. 
Oh, right. His yeah. must have been missing because I remember he said he bought one and he doesn't put the top up and he just put that on. And obviously it looks a lot cleaner. The problem with old Porsche Cabriolets, and this is what's so nice about the 991, isn't it, and the 992, is how clean yeah. they are. You know what I mean? The 991.1 and point two, how clean the top is, the how it folds down. Yeah, um, look, you the know, old I'm ones, sh- I'm The not- old ones, how it's always on its display, it just and you see all that metal and stuff, it's, it's pretty ugly. It's not that, like, again, no 911 is a bad 911, but um, for me, like, being fussy, like, aesthetically, there's something about when the roof gets folded back, it makes the back part of the car look really bulky um, because, like, when the roof is collapsed, whether it's a new one or an old one, it still kind of sits quite high over your shoulders and that line doesn't look um, as good as obviously, like, a hardtop. But I think I like the I mean, I guess the benefit... The 80s Cabriolet, though. I think I like the 80s Cabriolet more than the 993 Cabriolet, even though it still has that mm. unfinished thing. I think there's something about with the whale tail and that top, it actually comes together better for me. Yeah. Um, but then again, uh, it's look, very clunky. You know, I still feel the. I, I feel like that about speedsters still. Like the 991 speedster, the one that just got superseded, was the first that that back end didn't look quite so bulky yeah. um, to my eyes. But I, and I'm talking pure aesthetics. Like I was about to say, like I'm sure one of the benefits though of driving a cab is that um, the um, sound would be even better. So you know, the sound will be pretty amazing. And that's too. all the people that have yeah. been on owner stories with the cabriolet always make that point that it really does sound yeah. amazing when you've got a cabriolet, especially if you've got some special exhaust. It really does sound amazing. Um, yeah, you know it is pretty special. It's just I find um, having a roofless car like in Sydney, I reckon it's uh, I found it too hot <laughs> in summer. Like mm. it's just I, you see lots of people kind of driving around basking in the sunshine, but it's just like man, you must be cooking. It's so hot in summer. This is the weird thing. There are a lot of people who own Boxsters in Bahrain. There's mm-hmm. a lot of Boxsters on the road, new ones or the new ones. And Do I they think the well, roof down? Well, you 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 could during winter because winter is you know it's it's not yeah. super hot it's like twenty one twenty six or whatever but it's cool the air's cool but yeah. as soon as it gets into summer there's no way you could right drive that car with the top up you know what I mean yeah and yeah, you know yeah. I I still worry about owning cars in the Middle East because I worry about how hard they are the how hard the sun is on yeah, the paintwork what you sort of you know said in the last yeah the discoloring you know the head, every car's headlights any car that's eight years old the headlights are all like not clear anymore the perspex just mm-hmm. discolors it just you know it just it's just it's the, the sand and the heat sandblasted I, I don't know you know i saw a 911 the other day a white 911 and it was like cream like it was the white one but it wasn't <laughs> white anymore like it was discolored and not evenly dis- and not evenly discolored steve just partly in parts yeah. it was like more cream in other parts oh, okay know. Um, yeah, right. I just want to talk about order house cars and coffee. You didn't, you couldn't, you couldn't get out to it. You couldn't go on Sunday. Uh, in my in my idealistic kind of crazy mind, I sort of thought, oh, maybe I might be able to sneak out because it was seven o'clock in the morning. But yeah. um, uh, no, like Ava was sick, and you know we're still just trying to find our feet with feeding. So because my cousin in law and my uncle were going to head out just to go and have a have a little look, I'd sort of suggested yeah. I think he was going to go anyway, but. It's a pretty good way when you're in the market to kind of go and weigh up, you know, which one that you might like. And if you kind of go, I think I even said to him, for example, if you might be think, considering, you know, like broad strokes, a 996, go to the Cars and Coffee because I bet you there's some really nice pampered ones out there. So then yeah. you kind of get a, a feel for what um, a really yeah, well looked after but you're one like will putting, wind up being. You're putting a kid in a candy shop. You go to that. It's good in that way, but it's also yeah, bad because yeah. you go, oh, what if I can get one of those? 
And wasn't there, what is that 959 that was there? You, Steve, I just told my listeners. Yes. Not, yeah, Steve yeah. sent me some images that his um, cousin-in-law took. Um, some great images, by the way. And it was a great, yeah. I think that's one of the first, is that the first one they've had since COVID started? They haven't really. Yes, it is. It is this year. Yeah. So oh, this, yeah, even last year. Yeah. They cancelled all the ones last year. I'm really they? looking forward to going to these. I have to say, I really, really want to go to them again. But um, hmm. what was that 959? Was there any history about who owned that car? I don't know, but it's popped up on um, social a couple of times with Autohouse and then um, Atlas Bodyworks. They um, posted like a little video because I think they did a... Uh, the first time I saw it was on Autohouse's um, social media because I think the car went in there for a service. Who, I, and I obviously have no idea who owns it or anything about the actual car And it's car a Sport itself. as well, which is the better one, which is the yeah, one you want. Which is rare and guards red. So maybe someone's then, just um, brought it in, have they? Is someone's just brought no it in? No idea. I think, look, you know, I think it's probably the same in most cities, countries or whatever. Um, there's obviously some very enthusiastic, um, probably quite affluent people out there that have many cars, but they don't flaunt them. They get tucked away in warehouses and stuff and you just don't see them much. So Yeah, and I think um, um, that's who I didn't mention. James also filled in, filled in for you for one week as well. Um, you probably yeah, heard yeah, that heard episode, that. James at Porsche yep. Platz. Uh, RSR yep. Classic, James's business. He's you know buying and selling yep. Porsches now. Um, yep. And I know I'm not going to mention the name, but a good client of his has a lot of Porsches yeah, and yeah. he... He told me about it, and it sounds um, it sounds pretty amazing what this guy has. Um, yeah, I think um, I don't. Well, I think I'm sort of anecdotally. I think you know, there's a lot of um, clientele at Autohouse that would be exactly the kind of same. Um, you know, like you're not talking one or two or three kind of 911s. You're talking about the ilk of person that gets offered the 911R when it kind of gets released and stuff like that. So. Or a 935 or whatever. Yeah, I remember there was a 996 GT2 in there when I took my car in and I was asking Rick yep. and he said, oh, that's a very good car, uh, client of ours, a collector. And he said yep. that that GT2 only has 15,000 kilometres or something on it. Yeah. And it was yeah, like, yeah. wow. And then I think it appeared at Classic Throttle Shop. I think it was for sale. I think Auto House was selling it and then I, I remember it turned up at Classic Throttle Shop. I don't know what happened to it, but it wasn't that expensive. Uh, they're a bit twitchy yeah. though, aren't they, the GT2s? They're not so easy to handle. Apparently. But you can, I think apparently with the modern day tyres, they blamed a lot of it on the tyres and the alignment. Yep. Um, so the so the good news is, Steve, um, I got a I got an email today. My um, sunroof leather oh. cover is finished. Um, Nick, Nick, what country uh, is it in? Nick, who was on the first owner stories. Nick, my friend in London. Nick, uh, he. Yeah. He wanted to get his done. I said, please do not get yours done until he's finished mine, because I don't want any confusion. <laughs> confusion again. <laughs> Uh-huh. So anyway, I asked him to send it to the London flat. So hopefully it's okay, but it's it's done. It's been one year. I looked at my emails. I actually started this wow. process one year ago. Yeah, wow. So that's coming. And I'm pretty excited too. Um, and the listeners might remember Steve was getting some number plate brackets made up. I know it's a very boring topic for most people, but you know these little details really make a big difference. And Steve was getting uh, this guy in Queensland, yep. was it, or Tasmania? Queensland. No, Tasmania. Tasmania. So, um, dude's name is Philip. Lovely guy. Philip um, runs a business called Lakin Lakin Number Plates or something like that um, in Tassie. Look him up online. Um, he is so meticulous; it's not funny. Um, 
And um, I don't know why. I think you mentioned it ages ago when you first bought your car. Yeah, I contacted um, him. I contacted him, and he yeah. responded to me. He said he wasn't he wasn't yeah. doing any doing them anymore. But that's all he said to me. I've spoken to him many times, you know, since first kind of ordering it. Look, to be honest, they're not cheap. But then, you know, like I guess he's kind of dealing with idiots like us who <laughs> um, are willing to speak kind for of yourself, mate. Just go that extra <laughs> little last bit where you kind of go, I really hate the plastic bit, or I wish my rear number plate was a little bit lower um and he basically yeah. builds you a custom bracket see to everyone listening you know this is because steve always makes fun of me about my number plate because it really bugs him that it sits too high <laughs> doesn't it steve when you're following me it does it bugs yeah, him yeah, yeah. when i look at your photos it's... and everything it's like man it's so off center it's not funny um so i think i think we have a fix for it because um so philip sent me a parcel whenever it was last week i only got around to kind of having a crack at um just but it putting looks it good. on and yeah, looks good. The rear one looks great. Front one's a bit a bit dicier, but uh, it's not Philip's fault. But it, you know, we had a pretty good conversation in the last week um, because my problem with it was that um, it, this is going to be really hard to explain. It's a visual thing, but I wanted to replace the horrible black plastic plinth on the front of the car. Yeah, um, it he basically kind of prints and um like 3d prints and plastic kind of spaces and then puts a backing plate behind it right catch to it was that he sent it to me and to me it sort of was cleaner than the black plastic plinth that comes from the porsche factory but the problem with it is that it sticks out too far like you you've got the, the your bumper then the thing and then the plate um after I kind of installed Philip's thing, it still protruded way too far. So I kind of buzzed him and sort of said, oh, look, you know, it's good, but any chance of kind of getting it closer? Um, he, I've got something on the way, but I reckon it's only going to be like, you know, five mil closer. If this that, would so. be solved if the Australian government, or New South Wales government, yep. would just allow magnetic plates or something, you know, or stick-on plates. Yeah. Wouldn't it? Especially for the front or no plate for the front, you know what I mean? Yeah, and look, the catch to this, like for anybody that is still listening to this, because they're kind of going, you're talking about number plate brackets, um, is that the plates on my car and Michael's are the discontinued, what are they, prestige Prestige plates? plates, they're Perspex plates. Yeah, so um, it's not like a metal thing, it's sort of like acrylic and it comes in a box frame already. Yeah. Um, so because of that, when you attach it to a car, particularly like a 911, which has a really curvy kind of front nose, um, the thing just sort of sticks out. Um, and that's, that's the problem with it. Like, yeah. even if we had like a standard kind of premium metal plate, um, you'd get it closer. But well, anyway. it looks good. The rear one looks good. The front one, I, I'm not convinced. I'm still not convinced about the front one, but I didn't yeah. order the front one. Um, you got me the back yeah. one, which is really kind of you, and I need to pay you for that. But the back one um, cool. on yeah. yours as well looks so much better because you don't see those holes that you saw on yours, which used to bug me. Yeah, the two you plugs. Can see it. Yeah, the two plugs. It looks yep. terrible. Um, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so now it looks good. <laughs> um, it annoy you when you're following it? <laughs> yeah, it does. It used to annoy Tasha, actually. Um, uh. So let's talk about um, buying a GT3. You know, if you go out and buy a GT3, there's a lot of people who listen to the podcast who are looking for GT3s, and you know, I guess you know you should always you. you should always get a you should always get a PPI, right? You should really do get a PPI. But yes, I think so. Talk about your friend in his GT3. He had to get some work done on it, and this is the the friend that you talked about before, who's had some work, and then he had to get more work done on his car. 
Yeah, so my mate who bought a car, the identical car to me, really happy with it. So, you know, no no problems or whatever, but um, he took it off and had, uh, so sorry, he received the car. He's been driving around on it as you do, which is, you know, smart, kind of getting to know it. Thought that he could pick up a few little things and wanted to get like a, just a, you know, thorough service, which he kind of did. He took it to... Andre at the Pit Exchange, who is very reputable. I know lots of people that have been there. Right. Um, got the car back and still felt like there were a few little kind of groans and niggles. Um, and I'd sort of said to him, in my experience at least with GT3s, like they do that. Like they just make all the kind of weirdest noises in the world. It's not like a normal car. You sort of think that the thing's going to fall apart, but apparently when you start reading up and, you know, you you take it to Auto House or whoever, like eventually they just kind of keep saying to you, like they kind of do that. Not not that they all have the same creak and groan or whatever, but, you know, they're stiff cars and they're just sort of built in a particular way and they just make noise. There's less sound deadening. Anyway, so my mate, my mate wasn't quite satisfied. Not that he's, not that he was implying that um, somebody did a bad job. Um, so he decided that he wanted to kind of still, you know, chase chase the noises. So he sent it off um, to another um, independent, like a pretty reputable one here. Guys took the car and diagnosed it and came back with a hit, a punch list of like all this kind of other stuff. Um, it was pretty heavy, now, wasn't not, it? There's was a lot of stuff, right? Yeah. And we're not rubbishing the kind of um, shop because I've, I have used them once before and I kind of, I know of them. They're, they're, they're good. It's just... Ridiculous. I thought the... Yeah, I just sort of thought the curious thing about it was like... So they kind of said to my mate that, oh, look, you know, they think maybe your front... His front struts, his front suspension needed to be completely replaced. Right. Um, and, you know, like um, previously, like the previous shop didn't pick up on the same thing. Plus, um, a highly regarded suspension shop kind of had the car and sort of, you know, did the whole kind of alignment and set it up again for him nobody kind of picked up the fact that that's weird you know, isn't it concurred with this opinion yeah so what about the now the, what about e, the easements yeah. or whatever they're called did they pick it up easements easements did they pick it up car hasn't been to easements oh it hasn't okay no so the thing the conversation with that is like wow like one person sort of said to me is all good the other person sort of said hey the front struts need to be com- kind of completely replaced now if you want to go non-cynical benefit of the doubt i would sort of have I guess that I suspect that again it goes back to how picky you are and what your use of the car is like if you kind of go yeah look you know you're putting the car on track you're going to notice every sort of little kind of you know nuance with it blah 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 then maybe the front struts do need to be replaced but if you kind of go the other way which is if it was somebody more like me who just sort of drives on the street you know enthusiastically blah 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 but yeah still drive like grandma I'm not going to notice the difference you know, like, I think maybe that's where the difference might be when you kind of get two different places telling you, you know, different things. But don't you think it kind of makes sense what this second shop said? And like Steve said, it's a reputable mm-hmm. shop. But doesn't it kind of make mm-hmm. sense because the car had had a lot of heavy track work? So it kind of makes sense that's that, what that it thought. would be worn out, right? Because they it had been heavily tracked. Not heavily tracked. I don't know if... It, so, like, I don't think you could sort of say it was heavily tracked. It was just more that the previous owner... Um, was very honest and sort of said, yeah, you've done track days. Uh, yeah, like he, I don't, and I don't know, so what's the definition of regular kind of thing? Like, um, <laughs> So what's your mate going to do like then? 10, is he going to replace them or is he going to get them repaired? 
No, so he's going to go back to the suspension place to get him to look at it again and just kind of, you know, have a, another look at it. But see, the other next interesting thing, and it's interesting, maybe it's more interesting to me too, because my car's got more mileage on it. And I sort of thought, uh, you know, like I reckon in another couple of years, maybe another 30, 40,000 K. So if I get to maybe about 120, 130, no doubt at some point somebody's going to say to me, or Autohouse is going to say to me, your suspension could do with a refresh. And then I'll be at that point where I kind of go, okay, so do you, uh, uh, I believe a, a 997.1 GT3 comes with um, Bilstein coilovers as standard from the factory. So then your choice is, well, then do you have them um, basically refreshed? You know, you send them back to the factory. Um, and in this instance in Sydney, that goes back to a place called Heesman's, who are the Bilstein um, distributors where they pull it apart, replace the seals, re, um, you know, refill them with oil and, um, you know, respect them basically. Or, um, do you go and replace them with a brand new Bilstein part or do you then upgrade to Olin's or, um, KW's? KW's, yeah. What do you do? It's not easy. And that's where my mate, that's what I was asking my mate because I was very curious to kind of go to see what he might kind of do. And, Look, it was just interesting that, again, the second shop that he took it to sort of said, replace it and replace it with um, the factory kind of Porsche part. Okay. Whereas the previous place sort of said, no, like, um, you know, re- just have them service, take them to Heesman's and, like, have them rebuilt. They're a good part. It's a big difference in cost as well, isn't it? Yeah. Because they wouldn't and be cheap to replace them. I don't know what the difference in cost is. And, you know, again, I was having a chat, but I think it was, it's probably going to be like at least half the price, isn't it? Must be. I guess this is a bit like steering rack, isn't it? I'm thinking about the steering mm. rack of mine because it's got a leak. And, you know, this just is what Autohouse said to me. I said, should I just yeah. buy a new one? They said, why would you buy a new one? Most of the no. time we just, they just recondition it. And I've watched yep. other videos on YouTube too, and it seems like it's a kind of regular thing that people just get their steering yep. rack reconditioned. No one really replaces yes. it because it's just seals and... Yes. To seals and lubricant, right? That's all it is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So same, basically exactly the, the same conversation. The seal basically yeah. just cracks. It just cracks with, yes. with little wear, basically. Um, mine's probably yeah. got worse and worse, but little wear. Maybe um, not. So yeah. that kind of makes sense. Kind of makes sense. I don't know. Look, I, again, I'm not, I'm enthusiastic. I'm non-mechanical. Um, my mate was just picking my brains. And I, I just sort of, when, when he got the text sort of saying, Hey, uh, he literally said the front shocks are dead. They're right. shot. Right. I just sort of said to him, "Ah, oh, so you're going to get them reserviced?" And he said, "No, the guy, the guys suggested that he has has them replaced." And it's like, "Oh, I thought you'd just get them serviced." I guess this car he's bought though, he got it at a reasonable price, right? It wasn't, you know, I'm not going to say what the price was, but I remember the listed price. He got mm-hmm. it at a reasonable price. He got yeah. there before anyone else bought it. He's happy with the car. And I was talking yeah, to someone. I, I was talking to someone yesterday, actually, who's coming up on an owner's stories. Jeff, I'll say his name. Jeff, who's got a Boxster uh, from San mm-hmm. Diego, who's coming up mm-hmm. next week. Next week on owner's stories, and it's like his car. You know, like you're just doing things to get it, you know, mechanically back to where you want it to be. You know, you're going to keep the yep. car. It's going to become your car. It's like it's a process. It's a process, and you know, you expect yeah. to do certain things anyway. So. Yep. It doesn't really take away from the enjoyment of the car, does it, Steve? It doesn't take nah. away from anything he's got in the car. Sure, it has to be done, but when you do it, it's so much going to be better. It should really be better, and that's the yeah, that's the payoff. You're dead right. So, like, as an ownership experience, I kind of go, like, and this is, like, from my cousin Marco, um, you know, who 
if, if, if he dives in, you know, like in the next couple of months or whatever, I'm sure it'll be the same. It's like, it doesn't mean that the car with like the GT3 my mates bought or anybody, um, and same for me in the past, you buy a car and it's just part of the ownership thing where you kind of yeah. know, like if you're buying a used car, you know that you're going to sink some money into it. Now, my mate's probably sunk a decent amount of kind of money in it, but yes, his buying price was pretty reasonable. And at the end of the day, as long as you're really happy with the car and you're enjoying the experience, yeah. like, and like, at least because the car's appreciating still, so yeah, you don't kind of go, it's dead money, like what you're kind and, of doing to it. Like it is, and it's a ton of cash. Yeah, but it's still a, thir- but, it's still a 12, 13, 14 year old car as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the other but side. But to it, your point, to your point is like the car's new to you, you know, like you're kind of getting to know it. You you sort of want that feeling that you've talked about a lot, which is it's a really good feeling when you know that you've taken it to somebody who you trust, that they, they, they've checked it out, they've kind of set it up to the way that you like the car and you you know in your brain psychologically that, you know, it's on fresh, you know, fresh pads or like fresh yeah. brake fluid, all that sort of stuff. So you, you feel really confident about it. You want, you want it to basically be like that. That's going to cost you money. Yeah. Yes, that amount of money since you buy the car could any be anywhere from you know one or two grand to like you know 20 but, grand but but for us so steve to me that's one of mm. the best that's that's one of the best feelings you know you've just taken your yeah. car to order house it's had its service the major things have been done they put the things that yep. need to be done there's nothing really left to be done and you drive it back you know you know the drive back from order house and you drive it back and you, yep. you're onto the the freeway back over the harbour bridge and flyover and you just you just have that feeling in your head that it's like, this is just perfect now. You know what I mean? There yeah, is something really, yeah. there's such a great feeling about that when you know your car is sorted. You know what I mean? And that's what, and look, that's why I don't feel comfortable at the moment, you know, with all the other crap yeah, going yeah. on. I feel on edge because yeah. I know my car's not sorted. I know the steering rack has to be done. I know the brakes probably have to be done. And I think I might just do the brakes regardless, even though that, the indicator hasn't come on. Um, look, it's psychological. And like, it's probably just because people more like you and I, which are less mechanical because we don't kind of get our hands dirty and know exactly kind of what we're doing. Like you are relying and trusting somebody else. Um, uh, Whereas there are people that are more mechanical, more hands-on, possibly more frugal as well. um, And they can get that that feeling by kind of working on the car themselves or asking the right questions and stuff. I don't blindly kind of throw money at Auto House, but I do sort of, you know, trust that, I think, and this is the thing also like about using an independent mechanic like my mate, he's obviously got to build a rapport with whoever he wants to use and I don't think he's kind of got that understanding yet. Whereas I know if I take my car to Grant and the guys at Auto House, they know what I drive like, they they know how I drive, they know what I'm like. They kind of can judge whether or not, you know, it's worth me spending, you know, X number of grand on something or whether that's a, no, we just reckon you can wait, you know, like another year or whatever. And that's the right place to be. Yeah, um, you and that's what I that, like about them as well. It's exactly what. Yeah. yeah, it's exactly what they said to me. You know, when I wanted to change the battery yeah. over, and Grant said, "What? Why? Why do it now? You know, it's still working. Yeah. Why do it? Just wait till it's completely gone. Even though it's not the, exactly. exactly the right battery, it should be in there." He said, "Don't. Why bother? Same as the brakes." Yeah. And I and said, look, "Oh, they're almost worn out. I should change them now." This was like a year and a half ago. And he yeah. said, "But there's there's no indicator they'll still work. Don't change them yet." Yeah. So, you know, that like, side of it, they're good. You're and I know money. Yeah, I know, yeah. but Audi would never do that. I remember going to Audi dealers and they would just, you know, are oh, you pads oh, and you dealership. change it. Dealerships are terrible. Stop. Just change it over now. Yeah, a dealership full stop would never treat you like that. They'll always just kind of go, 
Oh, you yep. need to kind of do that? Like, we have to replace the whole thing. And by the way, you can't buy that individual bit. You have to buy the whole, yeah. you know, module kind of thing, yeah. plus the labor rates yeah. 100 times higher. Yeah, it was annoying. Um, it was annoying. I hated it. Yeah. Hey, before we go, what happened to the um, yeah. what happened to Cindy's Macan, to the turbo? Did you crash it? I scraped it in the hospital car park. <laughs> um, Did you tell Cindy or so, you just kept it from her and just got it fixed? No, no, no. no. <laughs> well, we were in... Baby was born, we we're in the hospital, we we're both dead tired because... You're uh, blinded by life. We are going through all the war stories. No. Um, my other, my first daughter got sick um, and had gastro, so the night before new baby was born, we didn't really sleep because, um, yeah, so like we wound up basically kind of being in a not great sort of spot. Baby came, we were obviously really tired, and then I was the idiot that sort of jumped in the car to kind of go home to get some clothes or whatever. Um, and I just um, backed the car, I rubbed it up against the column in the car park. So, so it wasn't, it took the paint off or it didn't take the paint off? Yeah, it just took a little bit of paint off the um, wheel arch um, passenger side. Um no dents or anything like that. So I got a referral from um, Auto House as to what's because, uh, like, I moved. When you move, um, it's pretty hard to kind of keep finding the right person in the right area. Um, Auto House referred me to a dude, Aaron at Colortech, who was a nice bloke. So it had to be painted. Yep, mobile mobile paint guy. So how do they blend Came it in? Yeah, it just does a blend. Really? <laughs> as you just said, he blends. <laughs> So why would you gun. use... Okay, here's a question for you. Why do you use a mobile guy and not take it to, say, Atlas or take it to, you know, someone like that? Uh, depends where it is. So, like, if it's on the bumper, if it's on the bumper, it's on a flat part of the car that where you potentially can blend it, particularly on a bumper as well, where you're going to be, you know, marginally less kind of um, fussy about the paintwork. Um, so it's... On the Macan, it was just over the wheel arch, which is part of the plastic kind of bumper. It was on the flat part of it, so it could be done. And I know, I know my sort of shit well enough okay. to kind of know that that's easily a mobile job. Plus, it's cheaper. And it looks good? Look, it's not perfect. Um, oh. If you run I your hands all over perfect. the car and all that sort of stuff, it's not, it's not absolutely perfect, but this is a bumper bar that's still going to take nicks and scratches okay. and stuff So like here's that, the question. So. You know the question I'm going to ask you now. No. Oh, your car. Can he fix my bumper? Um, Does that sound like I'm something he could do? Because it sounds a lot cheaper. I like the cost. You think he could do mine? Um, no, not to your standards. I think the problem with your car is that um, there's a little tear in the plastic and there's an indentation with it. So um, I think you're going to need to go to um, a body shop to, to kind of do yours. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Okay, yeah. I better start saving my money. Uh, your, I don't, I don't reckon your repair will be that kind of massive. I thought you said it was going to be two grand. You told me that's massive. Is it massive? That's pretty massive. Well, look, two thousand dollars. So look, a paint, a paintless guy. Like, so I, I hadn't used one in a little while, but back in the day, I sort of remembered a paintless, uh, sorry, dentless paint guy. Yeah, you had that French guy. You know, you would did. probably be. Yeah, it would be sort of like about 120 bucks for a visit. Yeah. Um, to fix the McCann cost me less than 500, but you know between four and 500, so that's still not cheap anymore. That French guy you had that you introduced me to, 
that was like, mm. and he looked at my Audi with the, where the person hit the broomstick into the bonnet all those yeah, years yeah, ago. Yeah. That was about 10 years yeah. ago. Yeah. Getting on, mate. <laughs> it's 120. Look at us. <laughs> now it's 500. That sounds about right. I thought that was cheap. Anyway, you, you got it fixed. That's the main thing. That's good. Yeah, I got it fixed. Um, so, yeah. All right, mate. You had enough. You got to go. You got stuff to do. Um, babies have been yeah, very okay, good. Yeah. I can hear any. I can't hear any noise in the background. I heard. I think I heard Ava before. That was it. Was that Ava? Or was yeah, that Emily? Could, no, that's Ava. Yeah, I could hear. When you Ava can hear. Before. No, 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 no. That's obviously <laughs> a a nineteen a nineteen month year old. All right, mate. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure everyone listening are going. Steve's back. They're glad to hear you. They're glad that you're back. They're glad everything's okay. Um, no, they're all going. What the fuck? Just get Ajmal back on. <laughs> Um, we I know will. he doesn't watch his car, but, you know, he's more entertaining. No, Ajmal, we have to say a big shout-out to Ajmal, actually, because he's been fantastic. Um, we're going to do more things with Ajmal as well. Um, and, you know, you should go Just and check out... Ajmal his, back in there. I should say you should go and check out Ajmal. I always like to give Ajmal a shout-out because you should go and look at his YouTube channel. Um, the, the drives that Ajmal does, the milk runs, the drives, he's the original. You know, there will be imitators who are trying to do what Ajmal does, but he's the original and he does it really well. Um, driving for milk and, and driving and, and talking and rambling and ranting. Um, there's no one better. There's no one better. He's a bus driver, right? Flat yeah. cap bus driver. <laughs> Every time he does a search, it always comes up first, that one. I've never searched. I'll just hear you guys talking about it. I always search no. and it just keeps coming up. Flat, flat bus driver or whatever. It's funny. Or people, that, <laughs> or people that sell flat caps. Especially now in the UK, you do a search of like people who sell flat caps. It's like, okay. <laughs> All right, mate. All right, mate. Um, have a good one. Have a good day. Yeah, you too. Uh, you too. We'll, we'll talk um, again soon. Sorry for keeping you up late. No, it's all right. It's only it's twenty five to twelve. I'm normally up very late. I've, as I said to Steve before we started, I'm I'm usually okay. I'm I usually you know stay up to one in the morning, um, pottering around. But, but <laughs> I haven't flown in such a long time. I, I get jet lag from Bahrain. I don't know how I can yeah. get jet lag from Bahrain after all the flights to Sydney that I'm normally okay with. But I was a it's bit. Been a while. My wife and I've been a bit knocked around. Tasha and I've been a bit knocked around, so we've been uh, sleeping a bit more than than usual. I've also mm. been starving. I've been eating so much food. I don't know what's wrong with me. I swear there's something wrong with me. Just eat, mate. Just eat. You're wasting away. Yeah. <laughs> All right, mate. Talk again soon. Cool. Cheers, man. Thanks for doing this again. It's good. It's no good to have you back. It's yeah. good to have you back. All right, everyone. Uh, that was Steve coming in from Sydney. And that's it for today. That's it for now. Uh, thanks for listening and bye for now. <laughs>